what an incredible time to be alive. People like you are sort of like re-evaluating what normal has to be or what things can look like. And the fact that, that it's sort of been taken out of this mass market reality and you can step into this place and experiment with things. You're like, I've always wanted to try this or I've always been intrigued by this. So I just think it's a great time to be alive. And I think yeah. uh, norms are being challenged. There are few things I enjoy more than interior design. It doesn't matter if I'm designing A-frames in Montana or making a mood board for a new nursery, which I am currently doing once again. There's something magical about bringing a vision to life for your home. And while I love the creative risks of design, I know it can also be incredibly stressful, fearful, and frankly, a frustrating experience, especially if you are not an expert. But it doesn't have to be that way. There are interior and exterior design rules that can take away the worry and bring much more joy. And when you have that insider knowledge about the newest trends, best technologies, and DIY approaches, home design truly becomes an incredibly rewarding experience. To make that your reality, Today, we have some amazing guests for this episode of First in Line that will help you rethink both your interior and exterior design. I'm joined by the one and only Chip and Joanna Gaines. Many of you know them from their show Fixer Upper or potentially even their globally known brand, Magnolia. They are both incredible, have seen it all, and have a way to bring out the very best in any home. I am also joined by one of my personal favorite interior designers, Emily Henderson. She has a special talent for upgrading homes, and she recently published a book called The New Design Rules. This episode has so many gems of advice from how to style your own home to how to even potentially profit off of your home. I can't wait for you to hear it all and pick the tips and tricks that work best for you. Enjoy. Welcome, Chip and Joe. It's such a pleasure to be able to chat with you because we have so many things in common. First of all, we're all Texans here. Let's just yeah. be honest about that. Texans to the core. I grew up in San Antonio, Austin, sister-in-law's from Waco. I've been I to the that. silos. I've seen everything. I've seen the empire. I'm so impressed. Um, <laughs> I now am in the Bay Area. However, I am managing a bunch of cabins and houses in Montana as um, an Airbnb super host that I fixed up and renovated. So I've, I've got exciting. a- yeah. wow. and So, so my second thing in common is clearly we all love DIY and home design. Well, we've got to go to one of your- No kidding. Oh my God. I know uh, a dream spot for me is either my Montana, Montana. or Wy Wyoming. So we would love to uh, check out your uh, beautiful spots for sure. Well, uh, you can definitely come to Montana and Jackson is next on the list. So yes. and it's, it's been go. so fun for me as this like side hustle in many ways, because it's the first time I've really flipped something, you know, in mm. Montana. We, we bought this property during COVID. I renovated a cabin, exterior, interior, the whole thing. That's and then amazing. that began. Now there's many more cabins and I'm, I'm hooked on this. So I want to wow. talk to you guys today, the experts in home design about exterior and interior design. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think a lot of people out in the world right now are realizing that a home is more than just the place they live. 
they can profit off of it, they can resell it, they can flip it. There's so many more ways to make your home more valuable. Um, but let me get started by asking you about the, what's new for you, which is not just about interiors and renovations, but exteriors. So why did you de- decide to expand what your work is in this new yeah. way? Well, we've done construction now for 20 plus years. And I think in the beginning, I mean, we Chip would always say, we have to tackle the exterior. You've got to get the realtor to the front door, like when they're driving by. And so exteriors was always an important investment for us as we were flipping homes, as we were doing homes for clients and obviously interiors. I mean, we feel like there's equal importance to both. Um, And so the fact that we've used um, Hardy siding now for 20 years. That's the, anytime we've had to side a project, that's the siding that we've used. So we truly believe in the quality of this product. But for us, it was just this idea that we, we believe in the investment of your exterior and the idea that even within the collection, you've got these styles. So you can have a little more fun with it. There's the lap siding, there's the board and batten, there's the shingle siding. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the colors that come with that you know, our hope is that we would take the 20 years of experience that we've had together and whether that be with the colors or the styles and really help that alleviate some of the, you know, all the choices and the options that these homeowners are having to make when they're taking on these bigger jobs that hopefully it alleviates those options. And it's just like, hey, this is what's worked for us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was talking about this trend of, you know, Airbnb, especially during COVID and beyond, but also I feel like more and more people are flipping homes these days than ever before. How has that changed the way you think about redesigning and improving homes? Um, I think there are so many more use cases in a home than ever before, but it also means maybe you need to narrow your scope so that it appeases more people. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, the way I've tackled any design project, whether it be for a client, I mean, of course, when it's for a client, I'm always trying to get to the heart of it. Like, what is it that you're wanting to feel? What is the story you're trying to tell? That is a little harder when you're doing a flip home or a rental property. But I think the intent is the same in that when someone spends time in your space, you want it to feel like home. And so to me, that's when you use what you know in your gut. What what makes it feel like home in your own house? How do you create that in these either flip homes or in these rentals? Because we we understand that when people choose to even the rentals that we have here in Waco when people choose to stay with us in those rentals the value of their time the fact that they traveled there we want when that when they land in that space that so they feel like that's home away from home and so for me it's just the same intent so when i'm designing it's what will make it feel cozy and inviting and what will make them want to stay a little longer. And I don't want it to feel generic or without a story. So I kind of play a game with myself on every project I do when there isn't a homeowner on the end, I kind of make up the characters and (laughs) design towards that. Oh, really? I want to know what some of the characters are. It's an odd thing because sometimes with the design team, they're like, that's not who's buying this house. I'm like, I'm telling you, these are the people that are buying it. Joe and I always get in these unique debates. It's like, because for me, it's all about statistics. Like, I hope that 100 people hear about this house that we're trying to sell, or in your case, uh, rent. And so 100 people hear about it. Then you've got of those hundred, you've got 10 people that actually have to engage in it. Like they've got to consider it. I heard about it, but I didn't even consider it. That's 90. 10 people hear about it and actually engage with it. And then for me, it's like one of those 10 people have to actually eventually get to the closing table and literally buy this house. So for me, it's just like statistics. It's, it's, uh, it's, um, 
it's a, uh, a mathematical dilemma that I'm constantly trying to resolve. Joe literally sees this couple with two kids and he does this specific thing and, and the partner does this other specific thing. It's just this fascinating thing that she designs for this actual end human being. I, just, so, I like to design with heart. I'm not saying one mind. of us is right and it's one of us is wrong. It's the art and the science. No, this is beautiful. It's the art and the science. I think both are valid, yes. right? We, you know, sure. I was going to ask you. So I was thinking a lot about this as I was designing all these cabins in Montana because I really want to do like some sugiban on the outside as as the mm -hmm. exterior, but then I yeah. wanted to do this like cottage core kind of interior. And unlike you, Joe, I'm like a color pattern maniac. Like, like I I know you do color, but I do like color. And yes. um, I, 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 I was worried that that would conflict with the Sugiban or that Sugiban wouldn't be so popular in many years to come. And I was looking at statistics. I was like, okay, you know, wow. how many houses are being built? This So is that is that something that you do with interiors too, interiors and exteriors? And also, do these things have to match when you're doing a new exterior? Does it need to sort of coalesce with the interior can have totally I want to different jump in things. just for a second and this might be like a rabbit that, that that's not totally related so remember exactly where we're at so I you can come remember. back to this but what an incredible time to be alive that you can do what you're talking about doing as essentially kind of a side hustle a side you know and i'm just i'm so proud of this world that we are building in the sense that Obviously, I feel like you have to be an expert. Obviously, there's there's things like gravity that exists for a reason, and you can't defy that. And it's just a a, 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 a a sort of a fact or a law that we have to play within. But people like you are sort of like re 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 um, evaluating what normal has to be or what things can look like. And the fact that, that it's sort of been taken out of this mass model, this mass market reality, and you can step into this place and experiment with things. You're like, I've always wanted to try this, or I've always been intrigued by this. So sorry, total sidetrack, but I, I just think it's a great time to be alive. And I think yeah. uh, norms are being challenged and totally. things that we've always expected. You know, 20 years ago, when you went on a vacation, you, you know, uh, somebody else's house wasn't an option for yep. that, you know? And and now that we, we use that exact yeah. uh, uh, market multiple times in the last few years to where it's like, we go someplace and it's like, do we want to stay in a hotel? Do we want to stay in this sort of box with hundreds and hundreds of other people? Or wait a second, what about this yeah. person's house that totally. has this pool or has this little side, you know, uh, uh, putt putt uh, attached to it? You know, these unique things that I just think exactly. it's a great time to be alive yeah, in the construction uh, and it's industry. so fun. And I, and it's true. I mean, I think the average Airbnb host is making something like, $10,000 or more a year, like, which is meaningful wow. for a lot of people. And in California, wow. where I live now, there's a new <clears throat> ADU law. So you can put these ADUs on your property to rent them out for extra wow. income or for the affordable housing crisis. And so I think sure. normal everyday people are trying to figure out, okay, what do I do to make some side money? Like, how do I do yes. this? And it's it, they're freaked out, I think, because they don't have you guys to depend on <laughs> in their lives. So maybe give them some tip. Okay, now you're talking to like all these people that either want to like flip a home or rent a home or rent an ADU. Like, you know, sure. where would you advise them to start in a way that makes the most sense for them to capitalize on that value? 
Yeah, well, I just wanted to say I'm proud of you and you stepping out into that way is a real is a real uh, a fun faith kind of based uh, uh, sort of leap of faith. And, and I think I think the challenges that you'll find and the and the things that you find out about yourself through those experiences are going to be real life changing. So I just wanted to uh, encourage you and to, and to brag on you a little bit. But sorry. Yeah, no, but I think about the you know investment piece we've I've just being married to Chip for almost 20 years, what I've always learned, you know, when he looks at houses, he looks at it as inventory. Well, for me, I'm thinking candles and mugs and vases. He truly can see um, the potential in these homes and the value. And I feel like investing in homes, I think you, you know, I mean, again, it's it's hard to say because depending on, you know, the season of that. But to me, it's like when you invest in an asset like that, it's like, it's just a great investment. And the, the prioritization of, what all can you put your money in to create a space that people will love coming back to? I mean, it's that balance of budget, all of that. But I think as you're learning, when you learn on one, you'll take those learnings, you'll get better Mm -hmm. on that second one, you'll get really great on that third one. And then it becomes this thing that you become passionate about and, you know, whatever. So I think no matter what home is always worth that investment. And, you know, you were asking earlier about does the outside need to match the inside? You know, I think it's all preference. And for me, home is an emotional space. And what I see when I'm pulling up to when I'm walking in, you know, the more consistent you can keep that of just feeling at home and at peace or whatever the feeling it is that you want. Um, You know, I don't know. I think I laughed because the first house we ever did, I didn't know that home was an emotional (laughs) space. And so I was like really testing out um, styles because I had no idea what I was doing. And sure. there was like each room had its own distinct each room personality, had yeah. a distinct style. <laughs> so you'd walk out of the nautical living room yeah. into the French country kitchen. And I always just remember everything just doesn't flow emotionally for me. And I didn't, I couldn't pinpoint that till later. So for me, it I is. I do remember feeling wildly anxious our few years. <laughs> it like we time back. You're having a personality was, disorder was every room. Yeah, yeah, totally. But, but I think that the exterior is a natural extension of what's happening on the interior. So to me, it's like that's the first impression. That's the story you're telling about that home. So the more it can be consistent, I think the the better, personally. And do you mean consistent? Is it colorways? Is it no. more like the style the and the feel. Yeah. Because color is very emotional. Um, but you can have 10 different paint colors in your home. Like I love, like if you came in my house right now, every room is kind of a different color, like the kids room, depending on their personalities upstairs. So it's not that the color needs to be consistent. I think it's just more like the vibe and the style. Is it more simplistic? Mm -hmm. Is it um, a little more quirky? Um, but I think honestly, if you're going with your gut and your intuition and you keep honing that, that will be consistent from the outside in. And are there styles that are trending right now when you think about, you know, I know you guys like sort of put shiplap on the map and, you know, I know with even siding or exteriors, it's, I was talking about Shugibon, like, but maybe concrete or brick, like, you know, what, what are the most popular styles that people can be thinking about right now? I, I think what I've had so much fun seeing as we're all like coming out of, you know, the last couple of years mm-hmm. is anytime you have hard, just, it was hard. It was, it was hard for everybody. And I feel like anytime we're pressed, beauty can rise from that and creativity and people, when they get pinched, 
if they hold it well, the beauty that comes from that is really amazing and fascinating. And I think what we're about to see just culturally and creatively is people coming out of that pinch, seeing things differently, being mm. more creative, being more unique, mm. um, not so cookie cutter and not so everything's got to look the same, but instead it's like individual, like this is what speaks to me. And I think that beauty that's going to rise from that is going to be so inspiring for all of us that are creatives. So I feel like the trend that I think that we're headed towards is more individual, unique styles that you can't necessarily pinpoint and say, mm. that's modern or that's eclectic or that's farm. Mm -hmm. It's more like, I don't know how to define it, but it feels right. And it feels right because it's truly the story of the people that are designing the space. And I think people are just going to make bolder choices that really speak to who they are more than like what the trend is. And what are your two favorite trends personally? If you were designing a new home for yourselves, what would you do? So a trend is always a hard word for me because of the business that we're in. I always try to steer our clients away from trends because okay. the investment they're making on their home, I want to see in the test of time. So mm -hmm. I'm always going to push back on. But what are a couple of your favorite, you know, Well, I don't know, but I'm always going to push back Thanks, on that because in three to five <laughs> years, well, I want them to go not constantly be thinking they have to reinvent the wheel, but yeah. I will say what I'm feeling drawn to is like moodier options, tone on tone. Of course, my farmhouse is on the exterior. It's a, it's a traditional farmhouse. It was built in the late 1800s, white, you know, hardy siding. But on the inside, I'm experimenting with that moodier vibe. As my kids are getting older, they're getting more mature. I just painted the upstairs a very dark kind of moody navy and I put a plaid carpet in and all my kids are like, this doesn't look like you at all, mom, but they love it because it's like, that's their space where they're lounging in, where they're kind of playing games in and, you know, experimenting with my kitchen cabinets, going with a darker green. It's like, there's this moodiness, not like a bad moody, but yeah. more of this, like I'm wanting to turn inward and I'm wanting it to be more layered and more depth. And so that's definitely where I feel like, I think a lot of us are craving that. So I think we're going to see deeper, moodier colors. Mm -hmm. And as I'm talking to you, you're in a moody room right now. So I definitely understand the moody vibe you're talking about. Chip, Chip, what about you? Any favorite design trends of the moment? I think just bottom line, and Joe's kind of alluded to this, I think we've all come out of a really tough season, a couple of years where the whole world kind of experienced a, a somewhat, you Shaking. know, traumatic um, reality. And we sort of, unlike a, a typical tragedy that may have occurred in New York or in California or in this specific part of the world, or even the war, when you think about Russia and Ukraine, you know, it's an isolated, unique thing. Even though the world knows about it, it affects those, those people there and all that to say that the, the global pandemic affected all of us in some way or the other. And I think, and this is what I love about the the, the color palette that Joe's got with this Hardy partnership, Hart, uh, James Hardy partnership is that it's just like, it's like this nature inspired, uh, timeless reality. And I think that all of us have kind of felt caged up. I feel like we felt, um, sterilized. I don't even know all the, uh, you know, politically yeah. correct ways to describe it, but we felt a little cagey, a little, a little isolated. And I hope that this, that this, that this new phase or this new season that we're all entering is sort of like a get outside, let nature inspire us, uh, go do something kind for a neighbor, you know, all these things. I hope, I hope that's what comes out of us 
in this next season. But, you know, uh, bottom line, I, I feel like the world has had a really unique uh, experience. And I hope that what comes from it is, is something that's unifying, something that brings us together as opposed to tearing us apart and things of that nature. But all things being considered, I, you know, I just think that nature and, and, and timelessness, I, I hope that's sort of what inspires us as we move into this new uh, uh, future together. I think those are great pieces of advice, everything that you've said so far. Um, hey, I wanted home. to ask you, you said you had one of those little cottages. How many you got now? You started with one, Five. how many? Five. We're coming. Oh, and in 18 months. And by the way, Montana is a great place to build in because you don't need permits and all kinds of things. Wow. It's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But I know you're, I know I got one more question. Okay. I know I'm coming. I'm coming. All right. Final question for you guys. Yes, as we Leave our audience. What is the biggest risk you have personally taken in design or real estate that might be something others can learn from and try themselves? Biggest risk, Joe, for sure. The biggest risk that Joe ever took was marrying me because, <laughs> I mean, on paper, it looked like a really dumb idea. It was a very bad uh, 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 idea Stop. on paper. But then look at, at what a great return you've gotten on this investment. But for me personally, it's just like I feel like you and I probably have a lot in common in the sense that I wanted to do something in the real estate space. I mean, I started off in the lawn care landscape side of the business. So I've always been like this outdoor, real blue collar, hardworking person that's sort of like in my blood. My granddad was that, my dad was that, Joe's dad was that. I mean, our whole ecosystem is surrounded by really hardworking people. And so when I got into the lawn care and landscape business, basically, I was a bachelor, so I was able to kind of save some money. And the first chunk of money that I got, I mean, my first thought was I'm going to buy that house. And so I went and put a down payment on a house that was a total fixer upper. Um, and, and, and I worked really hard to kind of renovate that house. And then, then we flipped it and I say, we, this preceded Joe just by a, a year or so, but I flipped that house and I made on that flip about what I had made previously in the year before killing myself in the landscape and lawn care business. So it didn't take long for me to kind of go, Oh, I like this, you know, what I can do in the way you described it in this side hustle basically generated about the same amount of money that I had made in my day job the, the year before. So I started transitioning out of one aspect of, of the business, lawn care and landscape, into the renovation side of the business. And then that's about when Joe and I met. I had three or four, maybe five or 10 of these projects under my belt. And then Joe came online and that really changed things for me because I love the construction side of it, but I didn't really have a real eye for design. I didn't know which colors were appealing to people. And Joe had a real knack for that. I mean, that side of the business was just very interesting to her. And not only was it interesting to her personally, but she had an incredible, like God-given ability to do things that then people were immediately drawn to and wanted to be a part of. So I really realized that really was the secret ingredient. I can do the construction side of it, but she would always set my projects apart by doing the finish finishes and the, and the, you know, the end sort of the skin of each of these projects. And so long story short, um, the thing I would encourage people, and you've already been a perfect example of this is just go for it. I mean, if you've got a passion for this, if you're interested in it, there's no better time than the present to kind of go stick 
stick your big toe in this industry and see, is it for you? Because I will say it's not for everybody. I mean, people think by watching these shows that it's literally a generic one size fits all. All you have to do is A plus B equals C. And really in fairness, that's just not true. The reality is you've got to love this business. You've got to love people. If you're in the rental side of it, you've got to love the construction side of it. If you're in the flipping side of it that Joe and I typically find ourselves in. And so if that ends up being something that's intriguing to you, I mean, for me, I'm a real passionate like uh, evan- uh, evangelist of this industry because it's like for me, when I think about my kids, I can't think of a better place for my kids to fall than in the construction side or the design, obviously, in Joe's case, design side of this this industry. But I also know that some people are built to like be behind a desk. Some people are built to do something completely, you know, not related to like, you know, physical labor and construction and these kind of things. And so, but when you find yourself being drawn to this side of the, uh, the, you know, industry spectrum, it's like, man, I, I just, we wake up every morning really jazzed about what we do. And I think that's a unique Reality. I think some people kind of begrudge what what they do for a living. And so if they have any interest in this, it's like there's no easy way to do it. You've just got to go jump in and either buy a rental or consider partnering with somebody that does it like us and, and maybe get into it from the investment side of this business to where you're not physically doing the end, uh, uh, the, the project itself. There's multiple angles. And I think that just about any way you slice it, if this is something that's interesting to you, you know, there's no better time than the present for the exact reasons we've kind of discussed. You can flip these houses, you can rent them, you can Airbnb them. I mean, there's a lot of options to where back in our day, you pretty much sold these houses or you got stuck in kind of a crummy predicament where now you've got multiple options. And for me, options really give the person considering this as a as a career path, really uh, really cool. Uh, uh, so you're not betting the farm and maybe finding yourself in a really terrible predicament. You've got lots of options to kind of help you get yourself into or out of uh, uh, this industry if you're interested in it. I need to get him a speaking gig on. Uh, <laughs> I, I sounded a little used um, cars. You minute. can buy tickets now yeah. for the <laughs> seminar next Nine, weekend. Nine dollars and ninety nine cents. I can We're tell you everything I've ever known. No We're laughing, but now. people are doing it. You know, it definitely <laughs> is. It is a. It is the future. I believe so. Well, yeah, Joe, thank too. you. Thank you so much. I mean, from one Texan to two others, um, it's just such a pleasure. And I'm such a fan, so inspired by you. And I appreciate all that you've done. So please, please come to Montana. Orofino.co is the the website address. You can go book there. Absolutely. Can't wait for our paths to cross in person here here soon. I've got a feeling we've got lots and lots in common. I'm going to come out again to the silos. So let me know when. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Thanks, Britt. Bye-bye. I am so excited to have not just one of my favorite interior designers here, but also someone I consider a friend and a peer. And like, we've been in and around each other's worlds for like, what, a decade or more now, I feel like. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I I don't call myself an interior designer, but I'm very passionate about the topic and you honestly are one of my like go-to people um, and you always have been because I feel like you break things down so accessibly and you're always on the cusp of kind of like what's the new type of like vibe that we can go for here? How do we mix this old thing with this new thing? And like 
you are obviously friends with a ton of designers. And so I just really look up to you in so many ways on, on the design front. And I'm really excited to have you here to teach all of us that are listening about what's what's new and next and different um, or what's old. <laughs> maybe we flip the, maybe we flip it like, what should we not be doing anymore um, as it relates to our homes and the places that we love to spend time in. So before we get started into that, can you give me a little background, Emily, on just like how you got interested in interior design and what your path was to starting up your own business? Yes. Um, thank you. That was really nice, but thank you. Uh, so my, my path, um, born and raised in Oregon, moved to New York after school, became a prop stylist, which is essentially styling for photography and uh, more commercial work, right? No residential clients, nothing like that, more for magazines and catalogs. And after five years of assisting, I went out on my own, but around the same time, my husband, who was an actor, wanted to move to L.A., to pursue, you know, the the gold rush of, of acting. I think it was 2008. We moved out to LA and there's way less styling work. And then the writer strike happened and, and it, it, he, he, there was no work for him, no work for me. It was, it was really awesome. It was a really good time. And um, I was watching a lot of HGTV. And at the time... It was almost it was almost a joke to go on Design Star, and so I auditioned. I got on around the same time. Um, it was January first of twenty ten is when I started this blog, and I went full on into it like five days a week, just you know, just as a journal to document my thoughts and feelings about all things design. And then I got on Design Star. I ended up winning the show, and. From that, I got an opportunity to have my own show, which was a more of a style-based show. And so over the next few years, the blog fed, or the show fed the blog and got it traffic. The blog grew. And thank God I never stopped the blog um, because as the shows like came and went, the blog kept growing and kept growing. So I started taking on residential clients probably, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. I, I now don't I focus mostly on the blog and partnership now, but, um, so it's, it's changed a lot, but that's kind of where it all, where it all came from. Wow. And, and so was design something that you felt like was innate within you ever since you were a little kid or was it something you really had to learn? And I asked that as someone who is kind of like a self-taught designer, like hobbyist designer. I mean, I geek out over design blogs, books, like I'm reading about the rules of like how to hang gallery walls and the rules of thirds and window coverings. Like literally Mm -hmm. when I'm bored on the weekend, I'm like looking at curtains. Like it's so dorky, I feel like, but it's like something I'm just really passionate about. And like, were you always like that too? Or was this something that you like felt like you really had to learn um, or like get certified in or something? I would say I would say both. So style always came very easy. I was always really into style, like wearing the weird clothes in high school. And and I grew up in a small town where design was not a career, you know, that people necessarily pursued. And so 
we just went to thrift stores because we had to. And mm-hmm. my parents had six kids. They were both teachers. And, and, um, so I would, I was drawn to anything really, really funky. And I mean, really funky. Like I wish, I wish cameras existed, Britt, so I could show you my room. It was <laughs> not something that was cool at all. I Everything would love was- to see it. It's like well, multicolor. Should- what, what were you like a monocolor or a multicolor or oh. what was your vibe? Anything, anything bold, fun, whimsical. Like I remember in college, I sewed my own comforter. I don't know why I would do that at a vintage velvet um, striped fabric. And then I had these vintage velvet hanging sconces next to my bed. You know, the ones that are huge, they're kind of like scallopy, you know, from the fifties. The whole room was so funky. Like my roommates would show their parents when they came over, like, like it was like a tourist attraction. (laughs) I feel like mine was too. I sewed my own duvet cover as well. This is how I got into sewing. And I, I really wanted it to be reversible. So it was polka dot on one side and floral on the other with a ruffle, of course, um, going all around yeah, it. So I had just a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would say that, that, that when I moved to New York, my exposure to style was really limited. Um, mm-hmm. Like maybe I looked at magazines, but this is before Pinterest. This is before the internet, right? So just just out of sheer access, I didn't I didn't really know what I was doing. But I knew I liked cool stuff. And I did like, I mean, people always, like I had a good sense of style, even though I'm making fun of it. I, I do think it was still cool. Anyway. So I started styling where I definitely learned just the basics of, of, you know, composition. And I started just learning what is like, and just sort of refining my tastes. Right. And, um, but I still had made some funky decisions. I had a stop sign uh, table in, in, mm. when I lived in New York in the East village, we found a Saranen table base that was just like on the street. And then I was like, Oh, you know, you know, it'd be cool as putting a stop sign on top. So we had a stop <laughs> sign. We found also the stop sign on the yeah, side of the street. Um, yeah. had the wood cut to put on to like, that's what I was into. It was also like, that could be cool with the right night. environment around it. <laughs> like yeah, a game it, room it, or something <laughs> like, I don't know. I was 22, you know? So, um, so anyway, I learned the basics of style. And then after the show, so I, the show was really all about style. So it was, it was, you know, trying to diagnose what your style is and then help you infuse it into your space. And when I started taking residential clients, that's when I had to learn about design and they are different. Like the, the, all the rules that you were just talking about, they're important. And I didn't know them like in the styling world, when you, are hanging curtains you're doing it with gaffer's tape because you're not going to see the curtain rod and you're just doing it just just you know to have the the feeling of a of drapery whereas when you have clients you can't use gaffer's tape you know so you have to understand you know light control and privacy and anyway so I think that there was a there was a lot of education that I had to learn in my I guess, late twenties and thirties to, to actually be a better designer. So both, yeah. like it came in eight, but I definitely had, and I'm still, I mean, I'm still learning y'all. Like you don't stop learning. Yeah. And, and there's constantly trends, right. That are cycling in and out of design. Um, you know, different colors that are trending. I just saw that the 2023 Pantone color of the year is magenta. So that's an interesting mm-hmm. one. <laughs> I don't know if people will be incorporating that into their homes. Um, but, but you know, I think that it's important in design to, of course, know about the trends, but also stay true to who you are as a, a 
as a designer who's designing for someone's personality. And we recently spoke with Chip and Joanna Gaines about this, actually. And they sort of differ in their opinions. Like Chip is like designing for the masses and like this is how things are going to resell and it needs to be, you know, like a little bit more vanilla and – Joe was sort of like, no, you have to like find the person and figure out their personality and design around that. And I'm curious, like, where do you fall on that spectrum? And how do you think about um, how people should even start considering what design should be like for their own space? I do think it's really challenging. And I think it was one of, with this house, so to give some context, it's like a 1910 um, farmhouse and it needed to be completely redone. Like we didn't have a choice. Like there was asbestos and mold and no electrical or plumbing. Like it was, you know, a whole thing. So trying to design something that was timeless, but still had a point of view is very challenging, especially these days when one of my biggest goals is to design for truly for long-term. Like I don't want a 20 year renovation. Like I I want it in 30, 50, 80 years now to be like, oh, this tile is still super appropriate and pretty, you know? So, um, it's, it's hard. And I would, I would obsess over like where to bring in color, like where to take those risks the permanent risks, which are, you know, the scariest ones to take to make sure that it wasn't boring because it's really easy. It's one of the reasons why I, I, I wrote the second book. It's really easy to, to, if you are safe in every single choice and doing the right thing for every single choice, your house can turn out generic. And that's a yeah. real bummer when you're spending a lot of money renovating and remodeling. And then you look at your kitchen and you're just like, this is kind of boring. Um, yeah. So it was really like the, f- the first half of the book is, is teaching the rules, like how high your sconces should be to get the best light. Um, you know, what materials you can put on your kitchen island, whatever. Um, but the second half is like, all right, so you know these rules now. Here's how you can break them, but breaking them should feel like a choice, not a mistake. And because then you're just like, no, I chose that sconce and I'm fine with the fact that maybe it doesn't give the best task lighting, you know, but I wanted it badly enough. And so it doesn't matter. What are the places you you think that people should break the rules and what are, the book is called the new design rules. So what, what are some of the new design rules (laughs) that you prescribe in the book? I mean, I think that. I don't even know if they're necessarily new rules, but it's more that we wanted to show people what they are, but this is all born of, out of my own frustration. So at the time, this was, I'm not joking, like five years ago, I was renovating two houses, one in Portland and one in, outside of LA. And both were massive projects. And I was, I just found myself in the shower crying a lot. Just out, I was like, I would just wish there was somewhere uh, like a guide that I could, I could reference that would help me know the rules. And so I didn't have to Google, like, how do you design a fireplace? How do you design stairs? Like all day, every day. And I just wanted a visual reference and be like, here are the different options. And, you know, cause it, it truly is a personal choice. Everything is a personal choice, but mm-hmm. having visual options is, and knowing the pros and cons of them is obviously very, very helpful. So that's when I pitched the book, not because I knew everything, but because I wanted to learn it all through the research process. Mm. And we, the book is not full of necessarily my work. There's a lot of mine in there, but we went to so many incredible creatives homes and that were breaking the rules in ways that, that 
made that made sense they weren't you know they're not rules that you're like oh my god they're gonna regret that I was like wow they really didn't care that all this like even like Ben Mendansky's house for instance in the in this book he has um yellow pendants hanging all all throughout his kitchen and they're all different shades of yellow now you need to see that in order to be able to take that risk right it's almost you you need to be inspired by other creatives that are just like nope we're not going to do the safe choice and that's a choice by the way that can be switched out not that you should ever go into it being like I can switch something out because I think that's how we're in a lot of trouble with the planet but I think that that there are way there are things that you can kind of give a little bit less weight to because um, because ultimately they it's not it's not tile you know there's there's yeah. definitely places where you couldn't just what are the yeah tell me about the places where should you like not take a risk tile well, sounds I, like I is one of them kids. it's yeah I don't want to ever tell anybody what to do in their home because it's a personal preference but the okay but what are the most expensive okay. mistakes yeah. or, or choices to reverse <laughs> if you hate it tile the, the, tile um your hard finishes so your flooring your tile placement of your electrical placement of your plumbing those are um stone um those are the ones that are extremely expensive to you can't just swap them out and they require demo construction contractors you know so with with our tile, which I did take some risks, and some in some areas I took a little bit too much risk, and other areas I was a little bit too safe. So I'm I'm rectifying, I'm dealing with this all myself too. Ultimately, I think they're beautiful, but um, it, it 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 is really really hard. That's why I mean you can infuse so much personality through style, and which is why sometimes I'm like, should I should I go back to just doing that? It was so like hanging a gallery wall, Brit. I can do that all day long and <laughs> I gallery know how to make it still cool more. or are those are we over gallery walls oh if they're if it's good art it's always good like it's okay. always cool um the thing that right now which I, I think is and I hope it's not just because I'm middle-aged and I have this like kind of more of a perspective but it seems to me that everything that is good is in style right now it's my team is so diverse in their style that it's so exciting. Like Caitlin loves like wacky lettuce furniture. Like what is lettuce like, furniture. I'm kind of I'm kind of checking. She likes she just likes lettuceware, which is like this kind of ceramics shaped like vegetables. But meanwhile, the furniture that she puts in her house is super wacky in a really awesome way, and our audience is very much connecting to it. Um, Jess is way more contemporary and likes more postmodern lines with a lot of comfort. Mal is really into more Regency Hollywood, and they're all. And then Ryan likes more old world gentlemanly library feel. So. But they're all doing it in a way that feels really timeless and not timeless. I think it, that feels really like cool and interesting and not generic. So mm-hmm. I guess that like it, it seems like everything's kind of in right now in a really good way. Like warm minimalism is still in, but then you're seeing a lot of maximalism come back. Mm-hmm. A lot of rooms that have like 19 different patterns that are so I'm, exciting to look at. This is kind of my favorite design trend. I'm such a maximalist. I'm, I was talking to, when I was talking to Joanna Gaines, I was saying, I think I might've offended her to be honest. Um, I was like, so your homes are like 
really great. The colors are really black and white and <laughs> neutral. And my vibe is just like every color and every pattern possible, like mixed in the coolest way, which I think, by the way, is kind of difficult to master. Um, like yes. to do that right, like pattern matching and color matching is is difficult. Um, and she, <laughs> she was just sort of like, yeah, well, you, you got to do you. Um, but I was, I didn't mean to diss her. I think that's totally a vibe, like, especially like the modern farmhouse, you know, that whole thing. But like, is there anything that you think is going out of style? I mean, you just said that almost everything's in style. Is there anything going out of style? Like what should people definitely not do? And I say this as someone who just watched Home Alone 1 and 2 with my children the past few days. And I was I was literally looking at the McAllister's house, <laughs> you know, like in Home Alone, they're all like running up the stairs and I was in their bedrooms. And I was just like, gosh, the 90s had some really weird design decisions. Like the, I don't, I don't know about like all of the things that they chose there. Um, so, so what is definitely not in style, um, for anyone out there listening who might need to like renovate or, or refresh their interior right now? I, I think that what you're seeing from the eighties and nineties, so before the internet, things were themed, right? So it, it, eclecticism didn't really, I mean, I'm not saying this as a fact, like eclecticism didn't exist, but it wasn't as much of a thing as it, as it became once kind of the internet showed us all the different styles that we could have. So then people started like, you know, picking from different styles and putting them together and it created a home, I think that, that stands the test of time a lot longer. So the, the themey rooms from the seventies, eighties and nineties, I think can be a really, fun time capsule to be in but if you're doing a themey room now just know that it in 20 or 30 years it's going to be considered a time capsule but not necessarily like it's not going to move forward with the times necessarily mm-hmm. but i think that i think covid lockdown what happened in those couple of years is everybody ordered everything online and because which is awesome that people still had access to making their homes better and it's definitely more democratic than it used to be and people and there's things that are more affordable than it used to be that's all that's all wonderful and great but we started seeing same 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 right because there's there everybody's ordering from the same retailers and everything's new and so i think that again i want to say nothing is wrong with that but what i'm feeling and what most people like my colleagues are feeling is that we're just really gravitating towards things that are unique and that can just be through vintage that can be through custom it can be through diy um just trying to get back to I don't know, just like these fr- fresh things in your house. You're like, oh, nobody else has that. That feels so me. Um, so not to say that like generic is out because of course generic was never in, but I think that that most people are like just gravitating towards how to take these basic things that they have, that they, they needed a sofa. They bought a sofa. Great. But how, what do you, how do you style it? How do you, what's the art that you put around it to make it look more interesting? Because I think that we all kind of fell into this internet shopping yeah, trap. Yeah, like an Amazon list. Wayfair trap for sure. Um, yeah. So, so in, in that example, it's like, cool, buy the like West Elm sofa or Amazon, whatever sofa, but like maybe you can find some really rad vintage pillows or um, some really unique art that you can frame in a cool way. Or what I, I love, all, there's so many different options for wall decor than just – 
framed art, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, I was in someone's game room the other day and they found all these vintage tennis rackets and kind of hung them in like a cool collage way on the back of the wall. And so, you know, it adds character and personality and a texture and it's a little bit different than, you know, your traditional, to your point, like, here's a couch and two obvious pillows that come with the couch and uh, like one painting behind the couch, <laughs> right? Yeah, or a print, a print of a painting, which um, nothing's wrong with it. But I think art is honestly like the, it's, it's, it's personal and it's hard to find. But if you are thrifting or going to flea markets, it is the fastest way to make your house interesting. And it doesn't take up you don't have to worry about comfort or practicality with it, whereas you do with furniture. So, you know, I always, it, it, I, I, because I'm a mom and I do like, practice, I have two dogs in the mud. Like I have to worry about practicality almost every surface, right? Rugs, sofas. It's a bummer, but it is just, it's life. You know, I'm not going to not have kids or my dogs. So this is where we're at. Um, but art and lamps and lighting and accessories, that's where you don't have to worry about as much practicality. So that's where you can be more free to bring in things that are stylish and cool and weird and then swap them out throughout your house, which we do all the time. And it's, it's, and it's where you can, for me, it's where I can succeed no matter what. I mean, I'm, I'm good at shop shopping for that kind of stuff. So when I'm having a bad day where I'm just like, oh my gosh, this renovation is taking so long. Um, I will, you know, sometimes just style out a corner with a cute piece of art and a pillow and a lamp. And I'm like, oh, oh, that, that looks cute. That like I did that, you know? So I think there's a lot yeah. more freedom in playing with those accessories. That's a good point. I feel like there's some research. I don't know if you know the research around how changing your room around um, actually can change your mood and create a sense of like newness um, that you didn't have before. Do you know anything about that or like how often would you recommend people are kind of like restyling and rejiggering their home or a room or a corner to give them that feeling of newness without having to like renovate their whole house? Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know any of the data except that for me, it's, um, it's frequent and that's okay. Like I think that I used to feel like, oh my gosh, why do you, why do you constantly need to rearrange? I'm like, no, this is fun. Like I'm having a good time right now. This is a hobby that I don't mind dedicating my weekends to. I'm not making anybody else, you know, do it for, well, I mean, maybe I need help with, from Brian, <laughs> but yeah. I think that yeah, I just, I, I, the older I get, the more I'm just like, people shouldn't have any guilt about anything they want to do in their house. Um, as long as we're being relatively mindful about our yeah. impact. But I think that like, it's okay to, 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 to obsess over things and rearrange or, or not. If you just want to have the same house and the same living room set as you've had for 40 years and it's comfortable for you, that's so great. Like Brian's parents, same living room that I've been, we've been in there for like 22 years and I love it. And they're always like, we should change it. I'm like, no, don't. This is such a comfortable mm-hmm. Space and so I don't, but she's like, but I, like I know it could be cooler, and so I don't want people to feel that pressure either. I'm like, if you love your mm-hmm. stuff, you love your stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I think it, yeah, my my in laws are the same way, literally the same furniture. But I I get I get like a thrill, especially if I'm going through a major life event, like I'm about to have a third baby, um, or you know, if someone's taking on a new job, or you know, what COVID was happening, like. 
I like to mix things up because it gives me the feeling that I'm in a different space um, and it's, mm-hmm. it's like a new chapter, if that makes sense. And so yeah. I like remember it differently. But that, but again, I agree with you. That's That might just be me. Um, so to each their own for sure. Okay. Yeah. I have to ask you about technology in many different ways. A, what are the types of technologies you use for styling, for mood boards, for communicating with clients um, that everyday people could also take like advice from? I've used Canva personally as as a a way to just like, especially because I I mostly shop online. I like don't have time to go to like stores and all this stuff. So I shop online and I'm pulling in like images of a rug and images of a chair and I'm like deleting the background. So it's just the chair with a white background. And I'm trying to like lay it out on this app Canva to make sure it all kind of like fits together. And that's kind of how I do little mood boards. But do you have like a much more sophisticated version of this? Or like how do you how do you do this? And how can everyone else out there take advantage of like trying to get a sense of their own style before they're committing? Yeah, I the 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 joke around the office is that I, I don't have very many skills, um, computer skills, and I because I didn't go to design school. It's a real bummer, honestly. Like I do, do really. I even think like maybe next year. Next year's the year I I learn Photoshop. Um, but if Canva is what everybody uses, and it I think it is really user friendly, and that's what I would recommend as well. Uh, my team uses, uh, I mean, we do use SketchUp, and when we need to, Reddit, and but those are all really hard, like honestly not for. I, I haven't learned them. I think that they're difficult to learn. So I think Canva is, is universally. I'm not that it's like a free PR for them right now, but I think you're, I think you're yeah. right. Um, you know, for, for this house, I planned it less because I want to do it more slowly. I mean, for the bathrooms, for any of the hard finishes, we had to, to do proper drawings, of course. Um, and we did it in what's called chief architect, but, but for the furniture and, and decor, I am doing mood boards on, I use keynote because it's just so easy. Uh, but I think it's similar to Canva. I think Canva is even, even better, but I'm trying to do it because I'm trying to collect so many vintage things. You can't, there's the computer programs don't really apply, you know? Yeah. So it's funny. I remember going to your conference, um, your conference. How long ago was that? Like 2016 maybe? Or was it the first year? 2013 probably. And I remember I was on the channel for tech in home, and my stance hasn't changed much since then. And I remember at the time being like, I don't love a lot of tech in home, but I'm, I remember feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Silicon Valley. I'm this stylist that just is kind of maybe not forward with tech in the home, but I actually kind of have the same feelings that there are some places where it's really appropriate, but there's other places that will date your house if you're not careful. And What's an when example? Um, okay. So we thought about all, all of these things for this house. Okay. We're massive renovation. We do have a budget. What are the things that are, you know, what are the cool high tech things? And the, 
like the built-in coffee station that by the way, I I've never had one, so they might be worth it, but because that technology is going to change, um, the coffee maker in 15 yeah. years is probably going to be different. I don't know how to, how you reintegrate that in or, um, built-in speakers, Again, I know people that have them and love them, but we were like, okay, do we want to hardwire something into our ceilings where the the dimension of the speakers themselves will probably change, like the profile Mm -hmm. of them will change. And, but I, I don't want to scare people. If that's your thing, that's, it's just not our thing. And I was like, I'm fine with the, 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 the speaker that we, you know, the, whatever we use, I don't even know what we use. Clearly I'm not that into that kind of stuff. So Um, at the same time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, at the same time, like we use, like we're, I'm big on skylights cause I love natural light and we use remote controlled skylights, but it's because I've, they've been around for a long time. So that's the biggest advice I would mm. also give. Don't necessarily want to integrate the first iteration of tech in your home. If it's going to be something that's hardwired and hard to mm. repair or switch mm-hmm. out. Yeah. So, I'm just a um, little bit, I'm I probably wary. have the most techie home like we're probably on different ends of the spectrum on this one and in a fascinating way because there are things I love about it and don't love about it like for instance the only home automation systems like really for lights and shades and things like that uh, there's like two systems one is called Lutron one is called Crestron we have Lutron um and we have a lot of windows in our house. And so we have these shades that are programmed to like drop down at 8 p.m. and go back up at like 7 a.m. And without fail, like at least once a month, there's like one shade that gets stuck or it gets like, you know, whatever. And and it costs money to call the team to come out to fix it. It takes time. So we have this like weird half shade situation happening. Um so it got so annoying that my husband, Dave, actually during COVID and all his free time, learned how to be a Lutron engineer. He took like an online course, <laughs> got certified in Lutron. This is my husband though. He's ridiculous. And now can like program our shades, but he has to have like a PC. It's like the special software program. It's like this whole thing. Um, so it's, yeah, it can be frustrating for sure. But at the same time, like – we have tons of technology in our house that we love um, from like we do have like household Sonos in every different roof, like place of the house. We can control it from our phones. We have August locks on our front doors. We have the ring doorbell when people are there. We actually see it on mm-hmm. our Apple TV. And, you know, we have all these. We have like the June oven, which has like a camera in it. So it knows exactly how long to cook things. We have like all these crazy geeky gadgets and I love I love a lot of it, but I agree with you. Like there are some things, especially the hardwired stuff, that is just very annoying for sure. I think though, I just want to give the caveat. I, I do think I'm on very much on the other spectrum. And I would love to come to your house and really experience it because when I have been frustrated, it's like I don't want to be frustrated in my home. I, I'm already frustrated with traffic. I'm already frustrated with all these things that I can't control. So there's things that we have also switched out that I've been like, I just, I want to be able to, to do this with my hand if I need to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some things have gotten a lot better. Like I, we just installed some level locks. They're awesome, but you can also use a key. That's the thing. It's like, it's, yeah. there's, I, I love that there's some companies now that are smart enough to figure out there needs to be like a high tech version, but also a manual way to do it 
too, so that you right. kind of have both options. But um, yeah, I just I don't think I'm a very good example of of innovation when it comes to te- technology in the home. In fact, I think that I'm a very um, not 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 a good example. We just want high quality. We want long lasting. We want it to look good, and if it can also have some smart features, great. But if I but again, I mean I I'm not like a I, I barely use any apps on my phone. I'm just not that person. So I don't think I'm, I'm a good trying- spokesperson for it. Um, we use this thing called Flume on our water um, intake pipes, <laughs> and um, it's actually really cool because it tells us like how much water we're using. We can like optimize flows of water. Uh, it tells That's us cool. it, it like alerts you if there's a leak. Um, helps you avoid wasting water. So it just like hooks onto your um, water meter and and. I think it's like really interesting. It's another thing that could break and be annoying, but there, and then, you know, we use, we have like solar and we use Nest thermostats that are like automated to like turn the AC off when we're away. And so there's Mm -hmm. like an energy state. So like, I think that there's some really interesting tech out there that hopefully will be better for the world um, as well as like easier for home automation. Um, And there is, um, the technology is getting a lot better, a lot faster. Like we, we did all the heat pumps. We worked with this company called Ream and, and their, their app now that I'm thinking like those kind of things are, they're, they're pretty essential to be able to, you control them when you're not here and um, for efficiency. So I do think that they're, but they've been around for a long time. It's just now becoming, you know, so auto automatic. Yeah. <laughs> I think the funniest thing I saw at CES maybe this year or last year was this like shower head, this like smart shower head. So it, it like changes colors with mood lighting and then it actually has like scent that it could, um, put into the shower water. And so you're creating like a shower experience for yourself. So stuff like that, I'm like, okay, like if you want that, cool. Um, or the smart refrigerators, there's like, you know, I think we're all dying for the refrigerator that knows what to put on your grocery list because you're running low or what to throw out. Um, and we're getting closer to it, but, um, some of the smart refrigerators, I think, are just kind of like, eh, like, does you really use the tools? Do you need the screen on your refrigerator? You know, all of that stuff. Um, right. And the, the last thing I'll say that I, I do really love, this is, and I think you've posted about this too, is the, um, the Samsung Frame TVs yes. because they double as art. They really look like paintings. Um, I have one like actually next to me here in my office while I'm recording this. I I got like, (laughs) I have like five of them in my house because you can display your photos, you can put on slideshow, there's a reversible mount and you can make it vertical or horizontal. So if you're watching TV or you want like a cool photo gallery that's vertical, um, you can get custom frames for them. So make it look like art frames. And I just... I think we're in a culture now where we're taking so many photos all the time um, and we want to customize and see pictures of our kids and, you know, art and all these different things and and use TVs in new ways. So that's one of my like favorite things of the moment, but I don't know if you agree with that. I absolutely agree. I I was their spokesperson, I think, four years ago, Um, but huge fan. Another thing that we did, you know, for this house, we really tried to make 
you can't be perfect, but we tried to make as many responsible choices as we could, right, to have the lowest impact. And um, we went with an induction range, which I'd never had one before. And the the one that we got is through this company called Aga, um, and which is a very old world look. It's so stunning. I can't even tell you, but it's it's new, right? And so we had, there was a bit of a learning curve, but no more than it would be if you switched to an electric car. You know, it's just like, oh, this feels different. Okay. Like I have to go a little bit lower on this, but I've been, we've been really, really happy with that choice. Um, so we are, I, I'm, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're trying. And I think that when it makes sense, what makes sense, the, um, the, the purple light in your shower, I, I just don't know if that makes sense for people to do <laughs> no judgment, but like I, a TV that looks like art. Yeah. That's, that's, that's important to me. Yeah. Are you pro TV, anti TV? Like what's your screen? like thinking for homes. We are pretty normal. I think that we were, um, we, we were before lockdown, we only had one TV. Um, we immediately got another one because the kids, you know, they, we, we're not aligned always on our tastes of what we want to watch on a Saturday night. So now we, um, we have one in our bedroom and one in the family room. Um, but no, I'm, we're pretty, we're pretty normal, not heavily used, but definitely need at least two for the times when I want to watch white Lotus and, they want to Agreed. watch any any Pokemon. You know. <laughs> exactly. Agree. I think our kids are around the same age, so I feel you on that yeah. one. Um, what about this? As we're heading into this recessionary environment, do you have tips on how people can affordably and sustainably switch up their homes or or renovate their homes completely without breaking the bank? Yeah, I think that the this is easier said than done, but it's also really fun. I think that the the best thing you can do is just buy thrift, used, secondhand, vintage, antique. Use what you have. There is I, I'm not big on TikTok, Brit, and I mean that like I'm not big on TikTok, but I'm also like not big on TikTok. You know what I mean? <laughs> but every now and again, when I go on, I'm like, oh, th- there is so much creativity there on how to upcycle things, how to DIY, how to. Um, there's just a little bit more fun, young risk taking there. And so I think that that's really inspiring to see people that are, because I mean, that's my favorite thing to do in the world. And if I could just retire and just vintage shop and thrift store shop all day long, I would. And, but there's, it just makes your house the most unique. It's obviously the most affordable. It's the best thing for the environment. It just takes time, right? And then, you know, you have to dedicate Saturday mornings to looking on Facebook marketplace but that's really, there's no other way to do it affordably and so sustainably. What are your favorite places for vintage and thrift? You said Facebook Marketplace. Um, other places online or do you, do you need to go in person? Do you have to see the thing? Like what are your tips for anyone that might not have purchased anything thrift-wise before? I still go on Craigslist because there's a lot of uh, people that don't want to be on Facebook and, and they're the, they're people that like, if you're looking for a dining chair, make sure to put two N's, D-I-N-N-I-N-G. Like there's, there's, there's little tricks like that, that, that you're like, oh, like if you, and this, I've been doing this kind of stuff for years, but the Craigslist is still, there's some gems. It just takes time. But I, in person is obviously way better. It's one of the reasons we moved back to, well, there's a million reasons we moved back to Portland, but one of them was the the antiquing and thrifting up here is really excellent. <laughs> like, we basically moment. moved back so I could have better thrift shopping <laughs> in my life. So I could just hoard. Whatever, LA has incredible thrift shopping. 
No, but we had left LA and we were living up in the mountains where we oh, okay. were completely isolated from anywhere to shop. And yeah. so every now and again, when I miss living there, when I miss the sun, I will just head to stars and to shout out to stars in Selwood and it's incredible. And so I think that, I mean, most places, most decent sized cities have like antique malls and I find antique malls to be far more better use of my time. Thrift stores these days, I don't know if you've been to one lately, they are so overpriced. They will basically charge the same as Ikea or Home Goods would for the same yeah. product. Like an Ikea table is $40 at thrift store. It's $40 at Ikea. It's it's kind of shocking to me. So I mostly just go to the 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 stores that are already pre-curated. And generally, they're not that much more expensive. And it's just mm-hmm. a better experience. Hmm. So I know you referenced your mountain house a bit and um, you became an Airbnb host over the pandemic, Mm -hmm. right? When you opened that up. And I was talking again to Chip and Joanna Gaines about this because I also became an Airbnb host over COVID. We bought a a property in Montana. It has one main house and a bunch of cabins on it and you can rent them all together or separate. And I've been, and I did all the design virtually, um, but it's become this new source of revenue and income, but also like, it's so fun for me to, to be like in the hospitality business, sort of, I'm a super host now. And, um, I guess like, what are your thoughts on, on how, and if people should be thinking about renting out their homes or flipping homes or purchasing or like purchasing a home to short-term rental it like as another source of income has that been valuable for you yes it has I think it's it's tricky because I I know that there's a lot of you know debate around this for you don't want a town that's just full of Airbnbs and I think that that doesn't add a lot of value to the community obviously we lived there and we, I will never sell that place. It is. I love it. There's so much. We go there for three weeks in the summer and two weeks in the winter and I can't just sit there the rest of the time. And I'm pretty, um, sheepish when it comes to big, like I'm not in crypto. I know that we, you and I can talk offline about this. I, I probably totally. should be, but where I know my money will go farther is in real estate because I can design and make a space more beautiful. And that's always limited, right? Like as far as, um, there's only so many houses in the world. So for me, it makes sense as an investment. And it's something that we are constantly thinking about for how to pay for our retirement and, and, that kind of thing. So I just think you, you know, you you want to make sure that you're contributing to the community and you're not just, you know, just stripping, you know, just having a, a, a house that's empty or, you know, you want to be responsible. But mm-hmm. I, I, for us, it has been really incredible to be able to share the house. We have an awesome property manager that makes sure that it's, you know, well cared for. There has been some problems, but nothing that hasn't made it worth it still. And so do you consider it like another source of income for you? Are you you thinking about maybe doing more of these? And and would you advise someone out there thinking about like, how do I make, I don't know, a few hundred or a few thousand more dollars a month to maybe think about something like a short-term rental? Yeah, it's just so much easier said than done, you know? I think that it's it's something to always consider. I think that – so our our house is in a really um, it's a destination town 
right? It's like it has a lake nearby. And I think that it that made it a good investment. I don't know if that house existed in a lot of other towns if we would get the traffic that we get. So I think mm-hmm. it's you have to think about that too. And I'm constantly looking for it right now. We are still very deep in this renovation. So we can't really look, but I'm always, I'm trying not to look online, but we are always thinking about what could potentially be the, the, the next version of that, like a, a destination vacation rental that has an environment that people, not just the house, but you know, a town or like a, a, an environment that people really want to to go to. But I think that, yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's always good for people to consider, especially if you have a good design eye and you can enhance it. Yeah. And it's not everybody can do that. That's my thinking too. I mean, I think, the, I mean, you book these things based off of pictures, right? And so like, if it looks really cozy and inviting and colorful and, you know, all the different things, like I would rather stay in a place like that than like some like generic all beige, you know, short like Airbnb, um, even if I'm going to the mountains or whatever. And so if you can, to your point, find like a great location geographically that is like mm-hmm. in high demand or feels like a, an escape or a getaway or is, or is just in high demand because it's a big city, maybe like New York City or whatever, and couple that with like some of these design skills, I think you have a really good opportunity to um, to create a a great side hustle, <laughs> to be honest. And so uh, we, we've done a real estate episode on this podcast and talked a lot about that and some of the nuances there. But there are people making literally, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Um, and and to your point, having a property manager. And, you know, it's a, I think it's a really interesting new avenue for people who want to not only play with design, but also make make a living potentially or a little bit of extra cash. Yeah, I think in a perfect world, somebody in the family is a contractor because it's <laughs> from every renovation I've done, it's it's the initial investment of hiring the right team of people is so huge that yeah. at, you wonder if we're ever going to make it out of the property. Truly, like it's I'm true. like, well, I think I don't think we're ever going to make this out. Now we always have, so I have to keep reminding me of that like we always, but that's because the real estate market just keeps you know getting more expensive and more expensive. But so when we go to our next one I'm trying to convince my brother to and he's getting his contractor's license I'm like if we can do this together Ooh. that's potentially the way to to not sink so much of the because we want to fix her we I would never buy it wouldn't make sense for me to buy something that wasn't that didn't need a lot of help because yeah. that's what I would I wouldn't want to pay for something already done obviously so that's kind of like I look at all these couple teams and I'm just like, oh man, like oh, to, to have somebody in the so family nice. like, do I, all that yeah, is so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like the design wife and the contractor husband, like the Chip and Joanna again, for sure. Yeah. We lucked out in Montana where, you know, um, there are just a lot of like jacks of all trades, <laughs> those contractor oh, types awesome. and pretty affordable. And so compared to California, so that was really helpful for us. But yeah, you know, you have to build in the time it takes and all the things that go wrong and everything else. It is really rewarding though, at the end of the day. Um, and, and for me, it was like my diversion during COVID when the world was all crazy. So, um, for anyone out there listening, it's something to, 
for sure explore and go back and listen to the, the real estate episode if you haven't yet. And you'll learn a lot of tips there too. We have this host book at ours and going through, and maybe it's because there's a lot of readers that go there, which make me feel so good. But I think that there, it, it's to me, it's also, it's, it, it is our home that we're sharing, right? So I mm-hmm. think that there's, there's this real joy in people that especially followed along in the whole process that they get to experience it firsthand. And then I get to read yeah. their letters about how nice it was. And anyway, not that it always has to be that way, but I, 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 when we go back, it still feels like our home, but a home that other people also got to enjoy, which is yeah. awesome. Also, where's your, where's, where's yours? I want to go. I know you in need Montana. to come. It's just outside uh, the capital, Helena, Montana, but like nestled in the woods. There's a lake you can walk to. There's hiking and biking trails everywhere. In the snow, there's a ski resort nearby. So um, we should swap. <laughs> I'll yeah. give you free week, free week. I want to go to yours as well. It looks amazing. Um, okay, Emily. So as we are wrapping out here, I, I want to ask you for your final tips for someone who is just getting into thinking about interior design, whether it's for, for profit, but probably just for themselves, like what is your final advice for how they should move forward or take a next step into making even the smallest modifications in their own space? Are you, is this for people that might want to potentially pursue design um, yeah. they're on their own. Like they're just, they want to do it on their own in their own space and might have never done this before. Okay. Well, I think that if you can frame it in your head, that it's your home is your creative laboratory and really try and dedicate time to the the creative process. So whether it's, it's, going to really cool hotels and restaurants in your city and kind of like seeing what you're drawn towards or, or just spending hours and hours on Pinterest, but really trying to, for, for me, I try and be like, okay, if I were to see this in a magazine, what, like, what, what would I want to look at? Do I want a, a pattern on these walls? Do I want, you know, more just quiet layers and textures, but just kind of viewing your house as your own. It's your, it's the only space you can control. And that's even with clients, it, I can't control, what they want I can recommend but I can't if they want to use something that I wouldn't have picked out then it's a little tricky right because now so I but in your home you can choose everything and then if you are pursuing this then that becomes your work right that becomes like your your portfolio that truly recommends you or sorry that that truly looks like you because um not all of your projects are going to so but I think that starting in, if I had to tell you where to start, start in your bedroom. And that's because bedrooms are the easiest rooms to design because it, they're, they serve one purpose. Well, maybe a few, but you know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bed and symmetry works really well in a bedroom. So you don't have to buy a billion pieces of furniture. It's a bed, nightstands, lamps, maybe a bench at the end, maybe a chair in the corner, maybe a dresser. But it, it's very easy to get your brain around it. Whereas some of the other spaces that might be more multifunction, that might, you know, your kids might be involved. You might need more storage. You might need a ton of seating. You know, they're, they're a little bit more challenging. So whenever I do show houses, which isn't that often, honestly, but whenever I do, I'm like, I'll take the bedroom because I know how to design a bedroom really easily because there's just not very many yeah. elements and it doesn't have a lot of function. Yeah, I love that. 
Um, well, there you go, everyone. So let's let's all redesign our bedrooms for 2023, yeah. New Year's resolution. We'll take a crack at it. Emily Henderson, thank you so much for being here. Again, you're just an icon, a friend, and someone that so thank many people you. deeply admire. We appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. This was so fun, Britt, and I want to connect with you. Montana. Yes. Retreat. Montana, Montana Airbnb swap. <laughs> yes. Love it. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, first of all, I can't believe that I had literally three of my home design idols on this episode. I never thought I would see the day where Chip and Joanna Gaines and Emily Henderson all wanted to talk to me about design advice <laughs> and thus talk to you, of course. And I I actually learned a lot. And that says a lot because I, I do love design and interior design. It's been one of my favorite hobbies and pastimes for several years now. And I feel like they gave me a little boost of confidence that I needed. So if that worked for me, hopefully it worked for you too. Here are a few of my key takeaways that I'm sure you'll probably agree with. The first one is I think a lot of us are living in generic homes. And what I mean by that is similar to how the internet has perpetrated our lives we're all seeing a lot of the same images of homes and design all over the place and probably buying our home goods from a lot of the same websites. It isn't like it used to be where we would go to furniture stores that were local in our towns or thrift stores and we would all kind of have different homes. Now we're going to Amazon and if you're like me, you just go to the thing that Amazon says is the best seller and you click that thing because you know it's going to be the best bath mat or the best shower curtain. And, and I think that has its pros because it's easy and it's efficient, but the cons are now our homes might be less personality driven. And I wonder if there's going to be a point in time where we want to get back to designing our homes for us and not for the masses. That said... What I did hear a lot is that designing for the masses is obviously great if you are trying to flip a home, resell it, if you are trying to rent it out with, for like short-term rental income. Um, it really does accommodate mainstream preferences. I also heard that there are some parts of a home that you should probably always keep a little bit more generic. <laughs> Things like tile and flooring and, you know, cabinetry might want to be a little bit more neutral in tone, but you can design around the edges, right? There's so much style that you can layer in with textiles and furniture and art and um, other type of paint. Oh my gosh, paint and wallpaper and truly make it your own. Some trends do last the test of time and you might not need to redesign your home for decades if you go that route. But if you're like me, a little bit more of a maximalist, a little bit more into colors and patterns, you might need to change your home around every few years. I think that's okay if you know it going into it. Some of these things will get outdated and you'll want to switch it up, or you might even just be a person like me who gets bored often <laughs> and want to switch up your home. The key thing for me that stood out is that I know designing your own space can feel really scary. It's why we hire interior designers. It's why we watch HGTV and all of these design shows to get ideas and tips and tricks for how to make the space we live in, our homes, the place where we probably spend the majority of our time safer, more comfortable, more pleasurable to be in. 
I used to be really scared about taking that first step into designing a space in my house. I was afraid of what people would think if I was doing it right, if I was purchasing the right material that would last, if I could resell it, if it didn't work. And here's what I learned. The first thing is you can always change it if it doesn't work or if you get bored of it. These are not permanent fixtures. If they're literally fixtures, you can swap them out. If it's carpet, if it's rugs, if it's furniture, everything is malleable and changeable. And that's really fun. I think of designing homes like I think of any type of art. It's just expression. And you can create new art anytime you want to. Another tip that I mentioned in this episode that I really, really, really would encourage you to try out is the app Canva. I'm not being paid to say this. I just really love this tool for mood boarding, my interior design schemes, color palettes, to see if patterns actually clash if they go well together. And frankly, because I buy so much of my furniture and home decor online, I like to just see it all in context together. And it's so easy to just drag and drop images right into Canva and make sure it all looks good before it arrives. That said, a lot of times things will show up and it looks terrible and the quality is worse than I thought or the the height of the chair and the height of the couch are totally off and it doesn't make sense. So I've gotten really comfortable with returning a lot of things (laughs) and buying multiples of things and different colors and patterns. And then... I can just mix and match in person and return back everything that isn't working or that I don't love. So I would recommend that you always potentially purchase more than you think you need, knowing that you can send it back if it's not working. The last thing I will say is like fashion, you've got to wear your home and wear your design decisions with confidence. (laughs) It doesn't matter if other people love it, if you do. This is the place you're going to spend your time This is a place that should make you feel happy or rested or energized or just, you know, whatever emotion you want to feel, that is what a home can present to you. We're spending so much more time in our homes now more than ever. Many of us are still working from home. Many of us have kids that are at home often and we need to be there with them and they need their space and we need our space. And so I really do think that This is one of the most important places and important sets of decisions you can make for happiness in your life. So again, wear it with confidence. Be bold and take those big bets. And always know you can change it around if it's not working out. I hope that you will all try something new inside of your home and send me pictures, before and afters, questions. I love helping with design decisions. If you have them, you can just DM me on Instagram. I am at Brit and I would love to help you and I would love to see what you create next. Be creative and we'll see you next week. If you liked this episode, I would love for you to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your shows. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Brit on just about every social network, or you can follow the podcast at First In Line. Mm-hmm.